Are you ready? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Around the CFL podcast. Anthony here with you again, and we're just about at the end, sadly. I know I say that every week, but it's getting even more sad. Week 19 is now in the books, coming up on week 2021 20, and the playoffs. And we also have Tyson Philpott joining us from the Montreal Alouettes. But first, let's get to some news. Montreal Alouettes offensive lineman Pierre-Oliver Lestrange was ejected from his team's Week 19 win over the Edmonton Elks for allegedly spinning on an opponent. The incident occurred with 10.37 remaining in the fourth quarter following a three-yard run by quarterback Cody Pajardo. Lestrange was seen after the play helping a defender off the turf and turning to walk away before re-engaging with another opponent. The TSN broadcast did not capture the video of what happened next. Lestrange was immediately tossed from the game and Montreal was assessed a 25-yard penalty, which resulted in a Maroslav Franklin interception. The 26-year-old was originally selected with the 10th overall pick in the 2021 CFL draft after an outstanding collegiate career with the University of Montreal. He signed with the Seattle Seahawks as an undrafted free agent and spent one season on the team's practice roster before joining the Alouettes midway through last season. He has since played 26 contests, starting 21 of them. Obviously, there is no good reason whatsoever for spitting. Spitting is not a manly thing, especially in sports. There had to have been something that set him off. But again, there is no reason at all for this to happen or this type of behavior in the Canadian Football League. The Calgary Stampeders have suspended Tommy Lee Lewis after he did not return to the team following the recent bye week. TSN reported that Lewis is expecting a child. The 30-year-old dressed for 10 games with the club and made five starts at fieldside wide receiver. He signed with the club in January after spending nearly seven years on the team's negotiation list, which is super rare for a non-quarterback position. He started the year on the practice squad after missing the preseason due to a hamstring injury. Lewis made 18 receptions for 139 yards and one touchdown and returned 49 punts for 645 yards for an average of 13.2 yards per return, which ranks second league high behind Toronto Argonauts return specialist Javon Lakey. And finally in the news, the CFL's West Division is wild and still yet to be won. The Saskatchewan Roughriders and Calgary Stampeders continue their battle for the final playoff spot in the West Division this week, while the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and BC Lions are fighting to lock up the West top spot. The Bombers are a win away from claiming their third consecutive West Division title, while the Lions need some help from Edmonton this week to keep their dreams of finishing first in the West alive. So far as of right now, Winnipeg win or BC loss, Winnipeg claims the West Division title and will host the Western Final at IG Field on Saturday, November 11th. BC would then finish second and host the West Semifinal at BC Place on Saturday, November the 4th. Calgary win and Saskatchewan loss, Calgary clinches a playoff spot. Saskatchewan win and Calgary loss, Saskatchewan clinches a playoff spot. As we know right now, there's nothing left to decide in the East. So the playoff picture right now, Toronto has clinched the East Division title, with they, which they did on Week 15. Winnipeg secured a playoff spot for a seventh consecutive year in Week 14. 
BC clinched a postseason berth for a second straight year in Week 16. Montreal secured second place in the East Division with their win in Week 19. Hamilton clinched a playoff berth for a fifth straight season in Week 17. They're trying to find the right balance here in Hamilton as they play second and long. Oh, and this will be intercepted. Josh Woods to start the second quarter. It's number two for six. Woods kind of hiding in behind the defensive line and then sneaking out there to follow Tariq McAllister. Week 19 kicked off on the spookiest day of the year, Friday the 13th, with the BC Lions traveling out to Hamilton to take on the Tiger Cats. And it was Sean White doing what Sean White does best with no time left on the clock, kicking the field goal, and the BC Lions won this one 33-30. to for the BC Lions, it was Vernon Adams Jr. going 21 for 30, 296 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. But VA did leave the game with an apparent injury. Dane Evans came in and went a perfect 4 for 4 after that with 42 yards. And on the Jaquan Hardy on the ground went 8 carries for 26 yards. Keon Hatcher had a big game, 6 receptions for 92 yards. And Alexander Hollins had 7 catches for 85 yards and a touchdown. For the Tie Cats, Bo Levi Mitchell went 13 for 19, 135 yards, 2 touchdowns and an interception. Our friend Matthew Schiltz came in as well, 14 for 19, 180 yards and a touchdown. James Butler had 15 carries for 67 yards. And Tim White had a decent day in the air. Decent. Seven catches, 112 yards, two touchdowns. And Keandre Smith also pulled in six catches for 70 yards as well in the losing cause. Both of these teams have made the playoffs, but there are some positional battles still left to be had. In his fourth year, puts on the ground. And Game 2 of the TSN doubleheader on Friday with major playoff implications, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders traveled out to McMahon to take on the Stampeders. And it was the Stampeders coming out on top 26-19 in this one. Jake Dolagala went 23 for 33, 272 yards, and an interception, which was that big pick six to Cam Judge. Jamal Morrow had 17 rushes for 86 yards and a touchdown. Sean Bain Jr. had a huge game, seven catches for 103 yards as well. Jake Mayer had an okay game, 17 for 29, 184 yards, a touchdown, not really a whole lot to speak of. Kadeem Carey, 9 carries for only 32 yards. Luther Hakunavanu had 2 catches for 47 yards. It really wasn't a big offensive game for the Calgary Stampeders, but they were able to pull out on top of this one and keep their playoff dreams alive. Walter Fletcher stands in to the left of his quarterback. Now a flare out. Pajaro goes the other way. Has a completion down towards the end zone, and they're in. Touchdown! 
Montreal. Game one of the Saturday doubleheader was the Montreal Alouettes traveling out to Commonwealth to take on the Elks, which was also my first time ever out to Commonwealth. Side note, I was at both the Calgary-Saskatchewan game and the Montreal-Edmonton game this week, and it was the Alouettes taking this one to the Elks 35-21. The odd part of this game is it was 21-3 for the Elks coming out of this game, and then the Owls just flipped a switch and they took over. For the Alouettes, Cody Fajardo, 23 for 29, nearly perfect, 258 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Walter Fletcher had 13 carries for 88 yards. We also had Tyler Sneed, who had four catches for 69 yards. And our friend Tyson Philpot, who we'll be talking to shortly here, four catches for 38 yards and that touchdown. For the Elks, it started out good. Trey Ford, 21 for 30, 216 yards and two touchdowns. We saw Kevin Brown get 10 carries for 68 yards. Trey Ford also had five carries for 47 yards on the ground as well. Geno Lewis had seven catches for 61 yards. Kyron Moore had five catches for 44 yards and two touchdowns. I'm not really sure how this one went south so quickly. But unfortunately for the Elks, it was the Owls taking this one. Late third quarter, Argos down a point. Chad Kelly still in, and he's chucking it. Deep touchdown! Who else? Kelly to Devaris Daniels. And game two of the Saturday doubleheader that was essentially meaningless on both sides of the ball, and that is no disrespect to either team. It was the Ottawa Red Blacks traveling out to BMO Field to take on the Argos, and it was the Argos taking this one 40 to 27 for the Red Blacks. Dustin Crum went 13 for 16, 183 yards, one touchdown and one interception. Devontae Williams had 16 carries for 125 yards and a touchdown. Great run game for Ottawa. And then we also saw Justin Hardy get five catches for 98 yards. Jalen Acklin even had four for 83 as well. For Toronto... Chad Kelly had played most of the game, 18 for 28, 287, one touchdown. And Chad Kelly also had five carries for 45 yards as well. In the air, of course, as we just heard, Devaris Daniels, six catches, 141 yards, and that big touchdown. And it was, the, it was a really close game for the first three quarters, I'll give it that. Ottawa did hang in there and they battled with Toronto, but in that fourth quarter, it was all Argos and that was the end of it. That is it for week 19. We will be right back and we'll be sitting down with Montreal Alouette's star receiver and the 2022 East Division's most outstanding rookie, Tyson Philpot. We'll be right back. This week's episode is part three of our Philpot family series, and we of course save the best for last. An outstanding college career, an outstanding so far Canadian career. Ladies and gentlemen, Tyson Philpot, welcome to the podcast. Hey, I appreciate you for having me on. I asked your, your brother last week some questions. I want to get your side as well, but then we're going to go off in a whole different direction. So uh, first of all, what was it like to be the son of a CFL star? Uh, it was really cool, you know, uh, of course, uh, growing up and uh, being in football at such a young age, uh, we were always getting uh, comparisons to our father. And of course, at a young age, we didn't truly know uh, how good he was and uh, what kind of impact he had on the CFL. But always having 
players around us and uh, growing up uh, watching him coach and stuff. It was it was really cool and kind of just showed us the, a, a footprint of what to come. What is your earliest memory of the CFL? Uh, my earliest memory would just have to be going to BC Lions games with my dad. You know, uh, he used to do some uh, signings before games and me and my brother used to have a uh, little custom BC Lions jerseys and I always remember just running around the locker room and running up and down BC BC place as a young kid so that definitely have to be my earliest memories of going to the game. What was it like growing up as a twin and what were some of the challenges that you faced? Uh it was it was it was a cool experience, you know, having a brother that played the same position uh for most of our career and just competing with him and and, you know, we were both always uh, usually the one and two or one of the top in the in the province for football. You know, it's, it's kind of cool. You know, he was, I guess you could say, my role model as an older brother and, you know, always just wanting to compete against him and, and have better stats uh, definitely helped us in our career for sure. And um, I don't know if we had any, if there was anything that I would say negatively affected having a twin other than just making the competition level uh, through the roof. So last week he said that he definitely used that older brother over you. Um, <laughs> is that true? Did you actually look up? Like, because he's only a few minutes older, right? Yeah, you know, uh, he's only a few minutes older, but just I've always heard that I'm the younger brother. Just from other people, they always consider him being the older brother. So I kind of would say for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, when did you fall in love with football? can't say I remember the the uh, direct memory. It would just be uh, as a young age, just uh, watching tapes of my dad playing football and just uh, being around it uh, would definitely, I think, was the influence. I, I guess you could say maybe in high school, we started taking it a little bit more serious. Uh, you know, I played a couple sports growing up as a young kid, and uh, I, I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to take uh, completely serious. And I think, yeah, we could say uh, high school when we started playing uh, some higher competition and, and playing Team Canada kind of fell in love with it for real. Were you always a receiver? I know that your brother was a defensive back and a running back at one time. So where did what position did you start at? Yeah, uh, I actually started as a running back, you know, as a young kid, you know, just put the ball in your hand and, and make a play. So I think that's where we started. And then when we got to about uh, 10 to 12 and you start going to a full skill position I realized I wanted to play receiver and and realized I was pretty decent at it but of course my dad didn't play receiver so I kind of had to branch out and and find a receiver coach and uh, that's where I came in in handy I I met a coach named Ariad Academy and Eddie Ferg and they they helped us find find that uh, receiver ability in in us but I think receiver has definitely been the best position for me. Do you feel like you were forced into a running back position early on just because of your dad? Probably. I mean, uh, he he probably wanted one of us to play running back too, uh, just, you know, to live that legacy that he had, which I was okay with as a young age because that meant I just touched the ball more and uh, got to score touchdowns. So uh, probably for sure, (laughs) but no issues with it. <laughs> Do you think other like other coaches, not just your dad, but they're like, oh, he's a Phil pot. He has to be a running back. I'm sure. Yeah. Even to this day, we, we still definitely have those running back qualities. You know, I take a lot of jet sweeps or even in the return game. Uh, a lot of coaches tell us we have 
some similar qualities that our dad had just in the, in the quick space and, and the quickness. So uh, maybe maybe if we set our mind to it, we could have been a running back one day. Your dad had said that he was really hoping that you both would go to a university in the United States. Uh, was that ever an option for you? I know that Jalen, he said that he had more some grade issues that didn't make him uh, qualified to go down. What about you? Uh, yeah, and obviously the dream was to always go to a Division One program and compete in the States. You know, that gives you the best opportunity to make it to the NFL and pursue the highest level. Um, yeah, I would say the same thing as Jalen, you know, uh, didn't take the studies as serious uh, as a younger kid throughout high school and didn't really know the opportunities if, if, if I would have studied harder and, and realized those opportunities. But uh, there was a couple of times we got offered some uh, walk-on opportunities, but we just felt our, our best bet was to go where we were getting a full ride scholarship. And we knew as long as we were put on the field to our abilities would, would go to the top for sure. So you guys selected Calgary, obviously, but what were some of the other schools on your short list of, th- of places that you thought might have been cool to go to? UBC, you know, uh, was a good program, and them being at home was definitely in my top three. I would say uh, Carleton University as well, uh, looking at the OUA, was probably the only school I kind of looked out there. And then just having some Nova Scotia family and stuff in that conference, I kind of looked at SMU a little bit, but... Ultimately, I knew the Dinos were, were going to be home for sure. What did you take in college? I took uh, geography. So uh, it was not too bad. You know, a couple of guys on the team take it, and it's a, it's a pretty good major. Your first year as a Dino was the big one. Um, eight games. You played eight games for the whole year. 32 catches, 741 yards, four touchdowns. But you also had the longest catch in program history, a 107-yard touchdown against UBC. What did that mean to you, and what did it feel like to win the U-Sport Rookie of the Year? It was really cool. Uh, Just coming in as a freshman, a true freshman at 17 years old, 18 years old. Definitely had nerves uh, of just playing on that high of a level. Uh, Never had played on that kind of stage before. And just had a great team, uh, great surrounding Adam Sinegra and Hunter Carl, Dallas both just uh, veteran guys in the locker room that kind of smoothed the transition. And uh, Coach Shahan as well, uh, just coming in, I knew uh, we would fit really well in his in what he was trying to produce at, at, at University of Calgary. And um, yeah, we, I fit right in. And uh, yeah, I think it was the second game that I had the, it was a career 107 yard catch and just from that from from that day on I kind of knew what I was going to do in the U sports and just went right from there yeah you've had a really great career in U sport 2019 the Dinos won the Vanier uh you did have some injury issues at the beginning but you made it back in time for playoffs how special was that to make it back and contribute to the team to win the Vanier yeah it was really special you know that was my first uh kind of kind of time going through a, a not a major injury, but just something that held me out from uh, playing any kind of games and um, just having the support system of my team and them uh, and just trusting them that they were going to get the job done. And all I had to do was just get myself back healthy. And that once I get back to playoffs, you know, I could contribute to to my fullness. And uh, yeah, and just like that, uh, it was my trust in my uh, treatment team and, and just my perseverance of getting through the injury and I was able to help make an impact and, and we went all the way to win a Vanier. 
How did you handle the 2020 lost season? Uh, it was actually a blessing uh, in, in disguise, just being able to get 100% healthy from that injury. You know, I, I rested the body, was able to get back up to 100%. And then I was also able to get myself in uh, really good shape. I took full advantage of all that time off and just trained and didn't get a job, didn't have to do anything. Uh, my parents were blessed enough to, to let me and my brother just uh, work our hardest to get to, uh, to the best of our ability. And uh, we felt like we were going to have a great season and we were able to do that. Overall, you had a really highly successful college career. We talked about the 107 yards. We talked about the rookie of the year. We talked about the Vanier. So how confident were you going into the CFL draft? Uh, I was very confident. You know, I felt like I'd put all my best tape out there during that senior year and kind of felt like uh, we didn't have the season we wanted in the win column, but me and my brother were pretty unstoppable as receivers in, in the country and kind of just put our best foot forward and did everything we said we were going to. And um, I feel like we didn't have our best combine, but uh, at the end of the day, we always said we were football players and kind of just let our game speak for ourselves. So let's talk about the combine. What did you find that was so difficult and how difficult of a process is that to go through? Uh, Yeah, you know, uh, everyone has to go through the combine. It's uh, part of the process. It's uh, part of football. Some people believe in the combine. Some people don't. I feel like just uh, just threw some added pressure on me and my brother. Um, I don't know if people had uh, ideas, made numbers in their head of ideas that they thought we were going to run or just just all of that kind of stuff. And we did our best of our ability and did everything we could. And uh, at the end of the day, we kind of just knew our film would speak for ourselves. And if there was any doubters out there that... Uh, after our rookie years, we knew uh, the doubters would be done. How difficult is that to kind of block out the noise, especially at a young age where there's so there's these high expectations of you? How do you shoulder something like that? Yeah, I think you just got to keep your head down. You know, uh, you're going to get uh, all the critics talking good about you and they're going to talk bad about you. So uh, if you just keep your nose down through it all uh, and you don't listen to any of it and you just put your best foot forward, you'll, you'll move through it all and you'll ball out. Were there any NFL interest with either yourself or the two of you before the CFL draft at all? We had talked with a couple teams. Um, Jalen had gone down to a, I can't remember what the all-star tournament was our combine in fort worth texas i had unfortunately got covid so i couldn't go oh, it was the college gridiron showcase mm. and i know he uh, had talked with some coaches down there and i had a philadelphia rep reach out to me but i had gotten covid so i hadn't uh wasn't able to go down but um nothing that was too physical or that worked really uh that we kind of knew was going to happen like in that sense So come draft night, you went ninth overall to the Montreal Alouettes. Were you excited to begin a new chapter for yourself out east? For sure. Just uh, my only uh, memory of being in Montreal was playing in that Vanier. So uh, just thinking about that was definitely uh, had my hopes up. And Montreal had sneakily been a a team that I kind of wanted to go to. You know, growing up, I, I idolized Anthony Calvillo and just the Montreal Alouettes and SJ Green and what they had uh, accomplished as as uh, a team. Um, and so it was kind of cool for me to, to go there and uh, coach Anthony Calvillo, be my coach, and, and just do a full circle like that. How did you find out that the Owls took you? 
just got a phone call, you know, uh, was sitting with some family and, and close friends at our little draft event. And uh, Coach Gahari Jones called me and uh, Coach Matocha called me as well, just welcomed me to the city and, and they couldn't wait to, to get me there. So you talk about how you look up to your brother. So when you saw that your brother went first, what was the first thought that went through your mind? Uh, definitely. I knew he was going to, he could hold that on me for the rest of our life. So <laughs> kind of a little resentment, you know, but ultimately just, just proud, of course, just to see him accomplish his dream in the same way I did a couple of picks later. And it was just something that we had talked about as young kids and kind of when we started the journey of being football players, you know, so the goal was to always get drafted and didn't matter what league, just that was the goal. And uh, I feel like we accomplished that and everything after that is just an, a bonus factor. Did you ever in the back of your mind want to go to the same place? I can't say I, I, I did. Um, I think once we had finished our college career, we, we finally uh, kind of were like, okay, we're done playing for the same team for for right now um if that if that's if that's how it goes for now um but yeah I think we we don't want to uh, compete for the same ball or have to play the same position and I think we both just kind of want to make new paths and start start our career on our own foot and then uh if it works out in the end we come we come back on the same team uh that could that could be cool in the end but as for now uh, I think we're we're happy on different teams so you went to the Alouettes and Jalen stayed in Calgary and went to the Stampeders. How has the distance affected your relationship? I don't think it's affected it in any negatively way. We still communicate all the time. We have friends on each each other's team that don't even know each other. Don't even know, like, I don't know them, but they just knowing Jalen feel like they know me. So it's kind of been cool to network and grow our, our, our groups of friends and family and I think it's just made us stronger as brothers. So you went through camp and you got on to your first season and you scored your first professional touchdown on a pass from Trevor Harris. What does that first professional TD mean? Uh, it was really cool. Um, I kept that ball for sure. Uh, got it, got it all done up. But it was just, it was just a, a, a fulfillment of joy. You know, we had worked on that play and it was Geno Lewis going the other way. Yeah. Uh, knew that he was going to draw all the coverage and I was going to be able to walk in for my first touchdown. So it was just, yeah, it was just really cool. Um, it was a film of all the hard work that I had, I had done and, and I just knew there was going to be many more. So I just went with it. So you've played, there's two legends. I mean, legendary players that we've just talked about Trevor Harris. And of course, Gino Lewis, he's a great receiver. Having both of those guys in the locker room for your first year what were you doing to kind of pick their brains as a rookie? Yeah, you know, I always told Gino, I apologize if I was annoying as a rookie. We now have a, a really good relationship, but I was always asking him questions uh, anytime we're in the film room or, or anything. Trevor was, I didn't even have to ask the question. He was going to coach me up because that's just the, the older brother in the, in the uh, Hall of Famer in Trevor. And he just wants everyone around him to, to be the best. And that's why Trevor is the best. But uh, yeah, Gino, especially, you know, I was just always asking him questions uh, why he did this or how he did that. And to start the year, I was actually behind him in, in the position. So it was cool to see uh, just how he went about as a pro. And uh, I think that's something I picked up uh, in my second year, obviously not having him in the, in the locker room anymore or, or Trevor. 
I was able to kind of grow up as a player and just kind of follow in the trends that Gino did. And, and yeah, just I owe him for that for sure. So your strong offensive skills and huge special team presence got you the nomination for the East Division Most Outstanding Rookie. How did you find out that you were the East nomination for that award? Um, I can't remember exactly how. I think I think it was at a practice towards the end of the year. Yeah, I think that's what happened. Uh, we were just breaking down the practice, and uh, we have our media guy who announces everything at the end, and uh, he he let me know the good news, and it was just filled with congratulations from my teammates and uh, my brothers on the team, and uh, it was a great feeling, but uh, there was still uh, work to be done, so it wasn't our biggest focus. But still, it had to be something special for you, right? You won the U Sport Rookie of the Year, and now you're the CFL East Division Rookie of the Year. Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, I, like I said before, it's just triumph of, of all the hard work that I've done. And, you know, um, I owe it to my teammates, too, for just helping me along the way and just making me as comfortable as I am and just being able to succeed on any level. The season didn't end how you had hoped, of course. What did you learn from that rookie season in the CFL? I think just how to be a pro and, and how to handle myself during the season. Just sitting down with some of the coaches at the end of the exit meetings kind of helped too, uh, just getting their feedback on uh, how they thought you developed as a rookie from the start and what you could work on as well. So I think, yeah, like how to be a pro and just how to attack the game in a different way and just see uh, – how, how a pro team operates and being able to come back the next year uh, and step the level up just that much more and uh, just, yeah, just have an impact to the team. Have you had any more NFL teams contact you at all since that big breakout first year? Uh, not since uh, I tried out for the Pittsburgh Steelers after uh, my first year, I was able to get a workout with them and that went, went really well, you know, just, being able to see how uh, the NFL operates is just a different story. And, um, you know, that being a kid, you know, being in the NFL building was a dream in itself. And just being able to be in the same locker room as first round draft picks and uh, guys you watch every Sunday was really cool. And just showing what attainable sooner or later. Do you feel like that helps you coming into year two that you went to an NFL camp to kind of see how the other side operates that you could bring some skills back for year two? Yeah, definitely. Uh, just for the confidence level, just knowing that I belong and that I can compete at that level, even though I'm in my first or second year, we're all professionals at the end of the day and I'm here for a reason. So it was definitely good for the confidence and, you know, just helped me along the way. You know, injuries are always part of the game. You've had a little bit of an injury problem. I think it was last year you had a little bit of an injury issue. But now you see the Calgary Stampeders, they're struggling, and your brother is one of them when it comes to the injuries. How hard is that to watch your brother going through what he's going through right now? Yeah, it sucks, of course. Uh, I want him to succeed just like uh, I've been succeeding recently. And, uh, yeah, definitely was. I was there when he got hurt. And, uh Definitely had to say a prayer for him. I know he's never missed a uh, full football season or even that many football games, uh, to say the least. So uh, it's definitely tough. And, you know, I've definitely been playing for him and kept him in my thoughts. And, you know, hopefully he can just come back next year and have an even better season and just show everybody what he's about. He was telling me, and so was your dad, about how there's a little bit of a healthy competition and sibling rivalry between the two of you. 
how has that been right now? You know, he's not playing. You are playing. Is he still texting you, talking smack, saying, oh, when I come back next year? <laughs> no, he's uh, – <laughs> unfortunately, I think he's had to take a little bit of the humble pill and become my cheerleader a little bit. <laughs> Just to hate to, hate to say it, but uh, obviously he's not playing right now. So mm-hmm. he does, doesn't have too much leverage to, to talk any smack right now. <laughs> Fair. But uh, – but no, yeah, it's it's. I'm just I ask him about updates on how he's doing, and um, just hoping he gets back soon. You have a lot of talent in your locker room. We talked about last year with Trevor Harris and you know Gino Lewis. This year, of course, you got Cody Fajardo. How has he pa- impacted your offense? Oh, Cody's been great. Uh, you know, since day one, uh, he gave me a text uh, as soon as he signed and told me how excited he was to work with me, and uh, I said the same. And I could just tell from his energy that uh, we are going to get along and that uh, he was going to be a spark to the offense that we needed. And that's exactly what he's been. You know, he's been very accurate. Uh, I think his completion rate over the last couple of weeks has been uh, incredible. Uh, He's just been doing such a good job of putting the ball in his playmaker's hands and letting us go to work and letting us do what we do best. So uh, yeah, it's definitely been a, a, a really good environment and, He's been a leader in the locker room, which has helped uh, immensely with uh, losing Trevor and Gino. And, you know, we can't can't say anything bad about Cody. You know, he's just been a spark for us in Montreal. So you said it over the last couple of weeks, he, his completion rating has gone through the roof. I was actually going to mention that too, especially over the last couple of weeks, especially yourself as well. This, you've hit a different switch in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, you know, that's uh, uh, just a testament to Cody and, him trusting me and me just getting open and, and all of us on offense doing our jobs, you know, uh, we've all been kind of heard in the media how uh, offensively Montreal Alouettes haven't been able to get anything going or we haven't been able to put points on the board. So I think we kind of took that as a challenge among ourselves to, to show the naysayers that uh, we are a true offense and uh, we do mean business. So I think uh, we're playing good football when it matters and, uh, Having this momentum going into the playoffs is huge and uh, just excited to to go into the playoffs with this team and kind of we're going through the same schedule we had to do last year, you know, Hamilton uh, at home in the East Divisional and then having to go to BMO in Toronto and face the Toronto Argos in, in the final. You know, two weeks ago against Ottawa, you had, again, we're going to talk about, you know, that hitting that other switch. You had six catches for 90 yards and a touchdown. And that big touchdown in the first half was incredible. What was what was going through the team? I mean, I know Ottawa is struggling as well right now. But what was it like on the sidelines, how just everything started to roll for you guys? Yeah, we're a big uh, momentum team. You know, once someone makes a play, we all start feeding off of it. And once the defense has a sack, makes a big play, offense goes out there and makes a play. So I think a big thing for us is we never get down. We know we're in any game, no matter the score, no matter what's happening in the game. Uh, we know we've got the talent on our sidelines to, to get it done and make it happen. We just got to take a deep breath and, and attack it as, as best we can. And uh, I think that's just something that we've been able to do consistently all year. Uh, you would see that in the Edmonton game uh, last week. It was 21-3 at one point, And I think it was in the span of six minutes we came back and we were on top. So uh, it's just a true testament to how uh, how much we trust each other on our team for sure it's that battle back mentality right because I was at the game this past weekend in Edmonton and yeah 21-3 and it, it just didn't look like the Alouettes team that everyone's used to and then what 
what started to get everyone motivated to get that big comeback going? I think we were just talking on the sideline. Just we knew in the off in the huddle, especially we said uh, as soon as we scored the one touchdown and or it was the last touchdown when we went back up. We said, uh, why do we do this to ourselves? Like we know we're good good enough to come back but uh why do we have to put ourselves in this situation so i think it was just everyone just like i said before just taking a breath on the sideline and realizing that uh we're better than this and uh this isn't the kind of football that we play as the alouettes and uh once we figured that out uh it was it was open season uh another big touchdown for you this weekend in in edmonton whose idea was that couch celebration uh that was I, I would take credit for it i mean all, i was low-key not gonna do it uh until i heard austin calling me over but uh i had told him before before i texted jalen actually and asked him how much they got fined last year for it and <laughs> he told me that they didn't get fined as long as they didn't open anything up so uh i told austin back that before i said if anyone's gonna do it on our team it's gotta be us too and uh i didn't care how far he was away if I score, if he scores, we got to do it. So I scored and I looked around. I didn't see him. So I was kind of about to jog off. And then I hear him in the distance yelling at me to come. So I seen him and, you know, the rest is history. And he opened up the popcorn. So I think that's going to be a fine. So I'll have to <laughs> let you know. Let you know on that one. <laughs> so last year you had Gino. This year, Austin Mack. How has your relationship been so far this year? Uh, we've had a great relationship, obviously me being hurt early and uh, I had big expectations at the start of the season to, or at least being one of the returning guys that had produced last year, you know, to be a key focal uh, at the start. And, you know, uh, Austin was unproven, but everyone kind of knew after training camp uh, what he possessed and what kind of uh, receiver he was going to be for us. And, you know, uh, I think he, he showed that uh, right away since day one. And, you know, it's always easy to get along with people that are, uh, do the same thing as you and just make plays all the time. So uh, we've had a good relationship, you know, uh, kind of just been going back and forth, making plays and uh, can't ask for anything different. How has it been having a really solid three running back system with the Alouettes, with Standback, Fletcher and Antwi, who also played for the Dinos as well? Yeah, it's been great. Uh, I think go back to last year, even too, uh, the three of them were the three headed goats and they were uh, each had their own ability and their own skill um, and could gash a defense in their own way. And yeah, it's a blessing, especially as a receiver, just knowing that I don't have to run the whole game and I can just block and I know they're going to make plays and, and run the clock down and also bring the coverage up when uh, we're running the ball well and teams are forced to have to play. Uh, some zone coverage or just play uh, with the fuller box. So that's been just great. And, you know, I've played with Jess Run in college, so I know, I know what Jess Run was capable of and his ability as a running back. And it's been cool for me to see him just come to fruition in the CFL and uh, just do what he does best and run the football. And I'm close with Walter Fletcher and Stanback as well. So uh, I just think, yeah, we have the best three running backs and uh, they can anyone can go off at any part in the game for sure. Did it make you feel a little bit better, uh, going, I guess, going back to when you got drafted by Montreal, that Jess Run was there? So at least it's a familiar face. Yeah, uh, for sure. Definitely. Uh, Jess Run was the first one that texted and I called after I got drafted and just let him. He knew, but I let him know that I was coming uh, to see him. And uh, it had been one year since uh, I played with him, just being one year removed. And uh, yeah, it was definitely just comfortable uh, 
a familiar face as soon as I got to Montreal and uh, kind of just allowed me to, to just be comfortable right away. So there was also some other big additions to the Alouettes with Sean Lemon and, of course, Darnell Sankey coming back up from the XFL. How has their impact been on the team as a whole, especially in the last few weeks since Sankey got to the team where things have started to click for you guys? Yeah, huge. I mean, that defense from the start has been dominant, but being able to get two veteran guys like that, I mean, I knew Sean from before because when he played with Calgary and with Jalen, and we had just kind of been a little bit uh, in touch before, but uh, his his veteran presence uh, right away was felt on the team. And I mean, you can check, I mean, everyone knows and sees the stats of what he's been able to accomplish and a limited amount of games. Um, and the fact that he wasn't even on a team is kind of crazy. But uh, yeah, we're just blessed to have him and, and the plays he makes. And uh, he's good for he's good to find the ball every game, which is pretty crazy for a defensive lineman. Um, and Sankey has been just a baller on defense. I think one of the first games he had like 10 tackles and uh, he made his presence felt day one in practice, too. And uh, yeah, no, he's just he's been a baller. And I think those are just additional pieces for our 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 own legion of boom on the defense that we have and uh yeah those guys have just been balling out uh every week what are you doing this week now that you're on the bye uh it's just a big recovery week for me uh being able to come home to vancouver and uh get with my own therapist and familiar faces that uh know my body and able to just get my massages and uh just relax the brain has kind of just been a big focus for me um and then going into this Hamilton game, the last one of the week or the last one of the season uh, before we have to play them for real in the playoff is definitely just a big, uh, big factor of just becoming uh, well rested and back to 100 percent. So we're yeah, we're going back into the last week of the year. Are you expecting to see a lot of playing time in the in the finale or are they going to try to maybe like give you um, a pitch count at all? Do you think? Uh, I'm honestly not sure. Uh, so not something we've talked about yet. Um, mm-hmm. I hope, I hope I get to play uh, all sixty minutes. Um, not not playing all all the full uh, season. Uh, I definitely like to play the full game if that's a possibility. But I don't I don't get to make those calls sadly. But uh, <laughs> if if yeah if it's up to me, I'll I'll be playing all sixty minutes for sure. Okay, so coming up now is playoff time. Same as last year, you played Hamilton, but it's a different team. Hamilton has a very different looking team this year. What uh, what do you think are going to be some of the struggles, I guess, in that playoff game? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's definitely a, a, the new Hamilton team than last year. And we know uh, at the quarterback position, especially, you know, with Bo and, and Schultz, they've been doing a, a really good job. But I'm just, yeah, I'm excited to see our defense um, against that uh, offense, you know, just with how well our defense have been playing and, you know, limiting teams to points. It's going to be a really cool and it's going to be a really good game. And I, I'm just happy we're able to to do it, to get it back at home in Percival Molson uh, in front of our crowd. And that energy and that atmosphere just uh, allows us to lock into a different mode. And um, I'm not sure if there'll be any kind of challenges, but uh, I'm just excited to, to watch our team go to work. And uh, we know what our goal is uh, after last year and, only uh, becoming seven points away from going to a great cup uh, last year. You know, we have uh, big aspirations for sure. Is, uh, is this time of year, does it get you excited or do you get nervous come playoffs? Oh, definitely excited. You know, this is where uh, 
you got to stand on everything and we see uh, who arises to the big occasions. And I was lucky enough to have a big game last year in the playoffs. So it's definitely something uh, I'm looking forward to doing again, being a even bigger factor this year. And uh, yeah, no, there's definitely no nerves. You know, this is where the money's made and this is where championships are made. So uh, it's definitely excitement. That is awesome. Tyson, thank you so much for taking some time on your bye week to come and have a chat with us today. Really appreciate having you on, and thank you so much. You are having a great CFL career so far. This season is just another level for you, and I'm stoked to see what happens in the playoffs for you guys. Thank you. I really appreciate you uh, having me on, and uh, can't wait to see how these next couple weeks go. And, uh, yeah, I just really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers. That was our conversation with Montreal Alouette star receiver Tyson Philpot. We will be right back and we are going to take a quick look at what's happening for week 20 in the CFL. This week kicks off on Friday, October 20th with major playoff implications as the Calgary Stampeders travel out to BC to take on the Lions. The Lions struggled a little bit last week with taking on the Tiger Cats. Hopefully Vernon Adams is back on track and in the game again this week. So I will be picking the BC Lions to take this one, unfortunately. Calgary still has a chance of keeping their playoff hopes alive, but I don't think it's going to happen this week in BC. On Saturday, there is a doubleheader. First of all, the Toronto Argonauts travel out to Mosaic to take on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in yet another big playoff implication game. This one should be Toronto. Depending on the starters, though, if Chad Kelly, AJ Ouellette, and some of the other receivers aren't playing, then this could have a very different outcome. And then finally, for Week 20, the Edmonton Elks travel out to IG Field to take on the Bombers. The Bombers are trying to take the West Division in this one, so all hands will be on deck, and I'm going to say that Winnipeg will take this one. Edmonton may come out strong, but we have seen them time and time again this year not really blow the lead, but just give up the lead and then not be able to come back. So it will be the Bombers taking this one. I'm also saying BC is taking their game, but if the Bombers win, it looks like they will win another West Division title, which means BC will still be hosting the Western Semi. That is it for us this week. You can find us on Instagram, X, Threads, at Around the CFL Podcast, and you can also listen to our show on Apple Music, Spotify, iHeart, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. And if you're enjoying the show, please go ahead and leave us a five-star review. We'll be back again next week with another special guest. Until then, we'll see you later.